America's historic elections rejected Trumpism and the MAGA movement, choosing democracy over autocracy. President Biden made a quick switch from domestic to global issues and high-level diplomacy. From the UN COP27 summit in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt, to the ASEAN summit and East Asia summit in Cambodia, to the G20 summit in Bali, Indonesia, and his first face-to-face bilateral with Chinese President Xi Jinping. I am Ambassador Curtis Ward, and this is the latest edition of the Washington Report. Hmm, a very big sigh of relief in the White House and for those of us who defend democracy. At least for now, democracy has prevailed and given new life with the results of the U.S. midterm elections. No other election in the more than 50 years since I have been personally observing American politics had there been such trepidation that the majority of American voters may have unwisely handed legislative power to the Republican Party, a political party hell-bent on destroying democracy. A majority of voters rejected Trump's election deniers and the Republican Party. The voters rejected racism, xenophobia, white extremism and bigotry, if only by a small margin. The historical nature of the Democratic victory was overwhelming. President Biden and the Democratic Party, in winning, actually lost a historic low number of congressional seats in a midterm election in 50 years. The result confirmed our faith in the triumph of American democracy over autocracy and reinvigorates support for democracy around the world. There is much to celebrate in America, but there are many troubling trends that still exist. White racist extremism and the threat of violence which flows from this abhorrent phenomenon in many constituent parts in American society have not abated nor eliminated by this election. There is much work to be done to reverse this trend. The Caribbean diaspora has much to celebrate in the results of the elections for other reasons. While not all office seekers of Jamaican and Caribbean heritage across the United States won their bids for the office to which they aspired. Members of the diaspora have good reasons to celebrate those who were victorious and those who made political and the diaspora history in the process. We celebrate the re-election of Congresswoman Yvette Clark of Jamaican heritage to a ninth two-year term with over 80%
of the votes. Often referred to as the Caribbean representative in the US Congress, we proudly stand with Congresswoman Clark as she navigates a difficult US House of Representatives, which at the time of this report seemed likely to be under the control of the Republican Party, albeit by a very small margin. American political history was made in the state of Maryland with the election of the first black governor and its first black attorney general. Governor-elect Westmore, whose mother was born in Westmoreland, Jamaica, and Attorney General Anthony Brown, whose father was born of Jamaican mother in Cuba and raised in Kingston, Jamaica, led other members of the Caribbean diaspora in victories in state and local elections in the state of Maryland. Westmore won by 25 percentage points, the largest margin of victory in over 40 years. We celebrate the re-election successes of State Senator Arthur Ellis, born in Portland, Jamaica, and three delegates to the Maryland General Assembly, General Wilkins from Spanish Town, Jamaica, Gabriel Asavera, born in Trinidad and Tobago, and Regina Boyce, whose grandmothers are from Barbados and Jamaica. We also celebrate the re-election of Aisha Braveboy of Grenadian heritage as state's attorney for Prince George's County. And for the first time, Laurie and Sales of Jamaican heritage became the first black woman to be elected to the Montgomery County City Council at large position. Heritages of the Caribbean are represented in these elected officials. But as we celebrate, we must be mindful of the work we must continue to do in support of our elected officials to protect the gains we have made and to secure our future and that of succeeding generations. Our engagement did not end on election day. Boosted by the results and relieved of the pressures of the American elections, President Joseph Biden turned his attention from domestic to critical global issues. His attendance at the UN's COP27 summit provided an opportunity to update the international community on what his administration is doing on climate change. He will face significant challenges implementing the provisions and commitments of the historic climate change legislation his administration enacted with the support of the Democratic Party-controlled Congress. As the climate change deniers, Republican Party will pursue ways to undermine this landmark legislation. President Biden's task in challenging world leaders at the 17 G20 Heads of State and Government Summit in Bali, Indonesia, November 15 to 16, 2022, 
to deal with many global issues facing the international community requires of him his vast experiences in international affairs. Before going to Bali, President Biden set the table for his first bilateral face-to-face with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Attending the ASEAN summit and the East Asia summit, both in Cambodia, sent a very strong message to President Xi. The adversarial competition between the United States and China, which Biden highlighted in his national security strategy in October, has begun in earnest. Biden will practice what he preaches, and he knows how to do it. In the bilateral between Biden and Xi, the American president balances his agenda for competition between the two economic, military, and geopolitical adversaries and his agenda for cooperation. There will be a tension between the two presidents on trade and on Taiwan's security and on Chinese expansionism in the South Asia Sea and Asia. Competition between the two economic giants loomed large over the G20 and the bilateral meeting between the two presidents. China-U.S. economic competition, though global, will have significant implications for Southeast Asia, Africa, and for Latin America and the Caribbean. More on the LAC region at a future date. While there's a moral imperative compelling Biden to raise human rights issues with Xi, he has to avoid antagonizing the Chinese president, who recently consolidated his hold on power in China. Biden received to take advantage in the reported track in China's support for Russia on the Ukraine war, and will attempt to drive a wedge between Xi and Vladimir Putin. Biden wants to further sideline Putin. And with his consolidated power in China, President Xi may be free to move China in whatever direction he chooses. Perhaps expecting strong criticisms and condemnation to his face for his illegal war in Ukraine. Putin opted out of attending the G20 summit. The Russian representative, Foreign Minister Sergei Sergei Lavrov, Russia's top diplomat, now seems hardened against diplomatic condemnation, is as much isolated. Needless to say, the meeting between Biden and Xi are important for the maintenance of international peace and security, and for increased cooperation between the two veto powers in the UN Security Council. Cooperation on a number of critical security issues facing the international community is of paramount importance, including 
the development and proliferation of nuclear weapons by Iran and North Korea, and the existential threat these countries pose to the respective regions and to the global security generally. These and other emerging issues will remain current on the international agenda in the months and years ahead. Biden's domestic agenda will be as challenging. The Washington report will keep assessing these and other issues while keeping you informed. I am Ambassador Curtis Ward.